Is that what we're talking about? The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world that Nick Cage was an actor? This hers? Tell me! I, yes, I, I think it's, yeah. How to get burned? How to get burned? I, How to get burned? How to get burned? Gentlemen and ladies, welcome to The Style Guide with your hosts, Steve-O and Dave Morris. How are you doing today, Dave? I'm doing fantastic, Steve-O. And yourself? I'm doing really good, doing really good. Despite the fact that I spent the week watching Nicolas Cage movies. Um, yeah, uh, watching and sometimes skimming Nicolas Cage movies. <laughs> yeah, it turns out you don't need to watch most of a Nicolas Cage movie. Yeah, and you still get the general gist of Cage. Uh, I can't. I still can't believe we're doing a whole episode on Nicolas Cage, but I can believe it because this man's life is unbelievable. I was reading his biography. I told you, I guess. I read the whole biography of Nicolas Cage. Not like a book, but just like I read about him. I like the idea that someone has written uh, like an actual book biography of Nicolas Cage. They're going to have to, man. This guy, he's been married so many times and like he, he's, a, he, he's a Coppola. He is. Which I did not know. I had no idea until I started looking into his life. And I was like, Nicolas Cage is a Coppola? He's the most disappointing one. Well, that makes sense. Why Why he managed to get into Hollywood so well. <laughs> so yeah. you were reading a biography of him? Well, I was just reading about his life. And I was just shocked at how much he, he's done in his life. And like, uh, like he got Johnny Depp his, into acting. He dated Uma Thurman. Like, what, what's going on? He married Lisa Presley. What? Who is this man? He is a very strange man. Is he a genius or is he a madman, Steve-O? I'm not going to say that he's a genius. I feel comfortable not even remotely getting near the notion that he's a genius. Are you sure? Because, like, this guy, he seems like a bit of a genius to me. I mean, like, um, he noted once that really famous actors have, like, unique voices. So he has intentionally sculpted his voice to sound like Nicolas Cage so that he has a unique sounding voice. That is genius. Did he, did he also craft his face into a unique face? I th Probably. I haven't got there yet, but I'm sure he did. This guy is a genius. He's, he's amazing. <laughs> did you and I watch the same movies this week? Oh, his movies are terrible, but he's a genius is what I'm saying. Okay, okay. <laughs> How did he do it? How has he managed to do it? He has his own Reddit called One True God. Yeah, the, the internet is a big fan of of Nicolas Cage. Yeah, who cares about his movies, man? This dude's amazing. <laughs> um, all right, seriously, though. <laughs> I guess we, you want to talk about his movies, too. Uh, wh wh where, do you, where do you want to start? Well, I, uh, I sat down and rewatched Raising Arizona this week. Ooh, nice. And that's probably my favorite Nicolas Cage movie. And I, I, I was just surprised at how much I enjoyed it. And then remembering that it's a Coen Brothers movie, mm -hmm. which that's why I enjoyed it, because it's a great movie. And Nicolas Cage just happens to be one of the actors in it. But it's a um, I mean, that's such a fantastic film for her him to be doing so early in his career. Yeah, that was like his. Was that would that? Would you say that's his first good movie that he did? I can't remember Fast Times at Ridgemont High, so probably. He, I'm pretty sure he had a really bit part in that anyway. Okay. Um, okay. So I don't think that would have counted. Well, then yes, I would say that it was his first good movie. Although I think that it's one of those movies 
where the goodness has to do so much with the actors around him. Like Holly Hunter and John Goodman are stellar in that. Yeah. And how can you, how can you screw up a Coen Brothers film? Lady Killers. Whoa. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I can't, that was love, I can't love. believe you said that. <laughs> that was a bit of an attack at the Coen Brothers, but I didn't like that movie. I actually left that movie. <laughs> that is harsh. Yeah, it wasn't very good. But, it, I mean, it's just interesting that, that his career started so successfully what? early on with movies like Raising Arizona or Leaving Las Vegas, right? I mean, he's had some other great roles that he, I, I've watched him in and been like, wow, he's actually really good as this character. I mean, one of my favorites was is The Family Man, where he gets a glimpse of his life if he didn't become this crazy Wall Street rich guy. Yeah, it's, that one? yeah, it was a Christmas Carol, but with Nicolas Cage. Basically, yeah, he gets a, an angel gives him like it was. It was like a what a wonderful world or whatever or something like that. Like that idea of he gets a, a look and lives this life that he never actually got to live. Right, right. With Taya Leone, right? Who 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 couldn't fall in love with Taya Leone in that film? And uh, it's a great, great, like warming movie. Uh, and I watched it on an airplane. That might be also why I liked it more than I should have. Because um, airplanes is like ooh movie. And it was fantastic. It was great. So he has had some good roles where he's like done some decent acting, like uh, yeah, like uh, like the Family Man. <laughs> <laughs> decent roles, like this one that I'm I'm going to repeat. I mean, he he was also good in adaptation. The um, where he played the Kaufmans. Yeah, yeah. I thought that that was uh, a fantastic. Like that's the perfect role for him. Mm-hmm. You know, a neurotic weirdo who is supposed to be a neurotic weirdo. Yeah. Um, I thought that he was good in Matchstick Man, where he again plays kind of a neurotic weirdo con man father guy. And Leaving Las Vegas, of course. Yeah. He was very good in Leaving Las Vegas. A little too good, a little creepy, a little scary. Yeah, won him an Oscar. Yeah, although, and here's one that I think I, I, I'm going to uh, anger a lot of listeners when I say this. He wasn't actually very good in Face Off. I... It was one of my rewatches. It was one of my rewatches, and uh, I was so disappointed that I did not want to watch Con Air because I'd like to think Con Air was still a pretty fun movie. <laughs> and after watching Face Off, I was like, "Oh man, is Con Air just as bad?" Uh, I don't know. Con Air is somewhat better because it has the charming John Travolta. That's Face Off. I'm sorry, the uh, John Cusack. John Cusack and Connor. Sorry. Cool. All right. Sorry. Okay, good. So it still holds up. But yeah. face off, I was actually surprised at how how crazy Nicolas Cage was in that movie. And how I was like, this is this is the exact this is like Nicolas Cage being Nicolas Cage. And it was kind of shocking. But can you blame that on him? He was playing John Travolta. True. And that's the other part of that movie, is John Travolta is also crazy in that movie. They're both they're mad. They are. I don't think they're acting. I think they're just talking to each other. It is such a weird film. But I, but the premise of that movie is great, you know, as a film. Like, the idea of the switching faces and becoming your enemy. Like, it fits into what we were talking about with uh, with villains and arch-villains arch and stuff. It's a perfect example of that sort of switch where they know each other so well that only they can become the other person. Yeah, but it, it's one of those things. That's a movie where they tried to go the science route. And it that's that's a premise that works really well in the magic route, like Freaky Friday. Yeah, I think it would have been better as a magic route, but it was it was still worked. It still worked because we just wanted to see them be badasses. 
Sure, but I mean, the idea that that Nicolas Cage and John Travolta are remotely enough alike that they could... They could, switch, you could just get, switch faces. Just switch faces, and that's all you really need, and then everyone's going to buy it? Well, I mean, in the science of it, they also talked about how they're going to re-sculpt their abdomens and stuff. And, like, it, was, it, was, uh, it wasn't just their faces. It's called Face Off, but it was really, like, full body remake. See, that's a, that's a misleading title right there. What is full body remake or face off? Face off, because yeah. Nicolas Cage's movies are really good at the titles are very clear in what's going on. Yeah, it's still pretty good. They just like they do switch faces. <laughs> you're, you're right. You're I right. want to take his face off. Face off. But that see that I think face off is a good uh, good example of his his really the spastic nature of his dialogue and action. Yeah. He loses his shit, and and part of part of what makes that, I don't know if compelling is the right word, but makes it work so well, is is he has this almost serial killer calmness when he's not acting the hell out of the scene that he's doing. He he just comes across as this very kind of weird, creepy guy. Yeah, and he just like opens his eyes really wide. Yeah. And then like like then walks behind a nun or something and like grabs her butt. Is that what that <laughs> that happens, right? <laughs> he he's done a lot of movies. He's done so many movies and it's insane. Uh although, you know, like but you know a movie I, I remember that I, I didn't actually rewatch, so I don't remember what happens in the film at all. Trapped in Paradise. I don't think I've seen it. I think it is these like three bank robbers. That end up like snowed in in some small town somewhere. And I don't remember the plot of the movie at all. But I remember Nicolas Cage not frightening me. See, see, that's the thing. Like when Nicolas Cage is just at his conversational, he's actually yeah. he, he's really interesting to watch. You find him rather normal and rather calm. And I think so I, I sat down and watched Drive Angry for the first time. <laughs> cool. Yeah, I, I make good life choices. But yeah. that's a terrible movie in in every way. But there's a, there's a scene maybe a third of the way into the movie where he's just driving along in his car, not angry, and he's just having a conversation with whoever the female lead is, and you forget that it's Nicolas Cage for a second because mm. it's just so normal. Yeah. And and he doesn't do that a lot. He doesn't he doesn't let his characters be human beings. He's always acting as Nicolas Cage in his films. And I think that gets to your point about how he's tried to develop himself into a particular style because he knows what it takes to be successful as a as a superstar in Hollywood. Yeah, it's not that you're just a good actor. You just have to be so unique and identifiable. Um, but actually, that's something about the, the Family Man that I like as well, is that it is about him going from this eccentric billionaire to a normal guy in the movie, mm -hmm. the story. So when he's doing the normal guy thing, he does start to eventually embrace it and just becomes like a normal guy. Uh, and he like works at a tire store and stuff like that. And so like he he's, there's moments in that film where he's just like, you know, a nice guy. Yeah, yeah. And I, I just I get the impression that he doesn't go after those roles very often because he can't be the character of Nicolas Cage. And, and he sees such value in that character that he doesn't want to damage the brand almost. Yeah. Although, you know, I got to say, I think there was a time when Nicolas Cage 
he did a series of fantastic films. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to list them for you in order, okay? Okay. Leaving Las Vegas. Okay. The Rock. Mm-hmm. Con Air. Mm-hmm. Face Off. Mm-hmm. City of Angels. Mm-hmm. And then he fell off with Snake Eyes. <laughs> um, but he did, what, what is that? One, two, three, four, five, five solid movies in a row that were like very well received and like super huge. And then since then, he's kind of all over the place. Maybe he was good and then lost his mind. Well, so The Rock is, so that's a, a Michael Bay film pre-Transformer days. And... The Rock is a good movie, just all-around good movie, action, lots of fun, really straightforward. But Nicolas Cage isn't good in that. No, he's like the worst part of that movie. I rewatched that one as well, because even though, against my better judgment, after watching Face Off, I was like, I'll watch The Rock. Um, and he is the, like, he, he's this weird caricature. It's one of his early early forays into the action genre but he makes sense as a nerdy bomb technician like nicholas cage as this nerdy fbi agent that makes sense to me but then they also have him shirtless with a very attractive female uh lead for his girlfriend and and he's a weirdo and and the he's way he weird he doesn't want kids but then they like she convinces him by having sex with him or something and he's like it's so strange it's such a strange character and the only time where i think that there's like a genuinely good nicolas cage moment is that in that movie is when she tells him that she's pregnant and he yeah. just goes what and he's just like the the confused nicolas cage yeah it is that is a good moment where she's like well you didn't mean all that things you said like I did when I said them. That was like seven seconds ago. Well, lots happened since then. Like yeah. the way he delivers those lines is very weird, Nicholas Cage. But good, good weird Nicholas Cage, not the bad weird Nicholas Cage. Like later in the rest of that movie. Like the rest of that movie, and and that's the thing. Like I think there are quite a few films where Nicholas Cage is the worst part of the film. But the film itself is still pretty good. Like because that movie really is like Sean Connery is in The Rock. And is awesome. Oh yeah, as like this old like like a escape artist who's been locked up for thirty years. Blah 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 blah. That is he. He makes that movie great. Nicholas Cage just happens to be in it. Exactly, and that's the same way with Arizona. And I would mm -hmm. argue that it's the same way with some of his later work, like National Treasure one and two. They're, not they're three. Not, hasn't come out yet. Hasn't come out yet. They're not fantastic films, but mm -hmm. they are like they're they're a good, strong American history version of the Da Vinci Code. Yeah, it's a it's a fun romp, fun fun action movie. Yeah, exactly. And all of the characters are good in that, except Nicolas Cage. That is true. Um, and uh, let's let's uh, what about uh, what about another great Nicolas Cage movie? Um, okay, I'm gonna take out the word great. What about another Nicolas Cage movie, The Weatherman? Did you watch that one? The Weatherman is such a f per yeah, The Weatherman, which happened I think back to back with Lord of War, didn't it? It did. And those two movies are are I would say that they're great. I'm I'm I would actually agree with your initial idea. So The Weatherman. Cool concept, nice like uh, nice themes that develop throughout that film. Um, I think uh, you'd. I almost want to say that it's got this sort of uh, 
uh, the the in, an independent film feel to it, even though it's not really an independent film, but it feels like kind of this slower paced, more you know you know those weird independent films. <laughs> I I know I know what you're talking about. Yes, where it's all like the relationships, all about the relationships and stuff like that, um, and like he gets fast food thrown at him all the time. Yeah, you know something people would rather throw away. So they develop a lot of really great themes in that film, but Nicolas Cage is the worst part of that movie. And and that's an example of a film where he is in every scene. Like yeah, it's it's not something like Raising Arizona where you get a, a fun John Goodman scene every now and then. It's he is every part of that movie and. Because the writing is good and the character, the idea of the character is interesting, you're willing to watch it. Despite Nicolas Cage somehow not even pulling off a weird weatherman. Yeah. Like, you would almost think that role is written for him. And you know what? I think it works because it's okay that he's just Nicolas Cage in that film. You know, when you watch it and you're like, oh my god, this character is insane. And like, oh, so it's Nicolas Cage. Cool. I can just think of it as Nicolas Cage. I don't need to think of it as a character. Uh, like Michael Caine is in that movie and he's fantastic as his like father who's like kind of quiet and not very good at communicating and like that that whole sort of uh, that character is fantastic. And then Nicolas Cage and him together, it's like, oh, look, it's this really great character and Nicolas Cage. And, and his daughter, his another example of a child actor that I think pulls it off really well. She plays his his chubby chain-smoking, loner daughter yeah. really well. That he's trying to teach archery to. Yeah, and also, like, what a cool idea for a movie, right? Like, there's just... Somebody just said, I've got all these fun, weird ideas, and I'm going to stack them together, kind of like the idea of Nicolas Cage as an actor. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Nicolas Cage is a collection of weird ideas stacked together. <laughs> That's a funny way to think of it. And the more you look at his filmography, the more he, like, like now he is an action star. How weird is that? It's pretty weird. And and is there a movie where he doesn't have a a female co-star who is a million times out of his league? No. Yeah, I mean, like that part always blows my mind. And it's not it's not that I don't I don't believe that you know uh, a four can date a ten uh, as I think. I think there was a movie recently with that as the title. Sure. But but they they insist on having a Nicolas Cage sex scene where he's shirtless with his weird half hairy chest body and mm -hmm. complete lack of definition and his weird face and his like watching Nicolas Cage and his sex face in Drive Angry while he's smoking a cigar. It is such a weird film. Yeah. And I never, I never buy him as a romantic lead. I don't know. Like, I, I want part of me wants to say, oh well, you know, Nicolas Cage is the kind of actor that he's just good enough, and you just put him in a movie, and he won't ruin the movie for you. But I think there's more to him than just that because he does, uh, uh, he doesn't ruin a movie, but he doesn't, uh, uh, he makes the movie unbelievable. Can I say that? Like you have a hard time believing the the reality of the movie. Yeah, I know I'm watching Nicolas Cage be Nicolas Cage. Does that make sense? That that makes complete sense. When I watch movies, uh, especially me, I don't know about your movie watching etiquette necessarily, but I uh, I tend to get to lose myself in the story, and I try like I, I empathize and I get invested in the characters and invested in their their trials. 
Uh, so much so that I'm, I'm a notorious uh, crier at the end of movies, whether they're sad or not. I cried at the end of Menace to Society. You know, like that's the kind of movie watcher I am. With Nicolas Cage, it really makes it hard to do that. Uh, the only exception I can think of of all of these movies is The Family Man, which I've talked about plenty already. But it's the only movie that it was a Nicolas Cage movie where I kind of got lost into the Nicolas Cage movie. But every other movie, it's like, that's Nicolas Cage. Um, did you watch Season of the Witch? I didn't. Good. You shouldn't. Nobody ever should. No one watched Season of the Witch. It's it's a bad movie with Nicolas Cage in it, so you can only imagine how terrible it actually gets. But like... Uh, like it was this kind of like Lord of the Rings feeling type thing they were going for. And it was just like an old world, like, you know, like swords and witches and, and sorcerers and stuff like that. And Nicolas Cage is just Nicolas Cage in it. You know, he's just acting like Nicolas Cage and it, no way you can get into that reality, even though the movie's already bad. Well, and, and I think another good example of that is Gone in 60 Seconds, which is a movie that I love. I will I will sit down and watch that movie on repeat. Mm -hmm. I enjoy it. But you compare it with something like the Fast and Furious movies where Paul Walker and Vin Diesel, you buy into them as the characters they are in that film and all the ridiculousness of it seems natural in their world. Yeah. As opposed to Gone in 60 Seconds where you're watching Nicolas Cage and you're going, this, this just isn't quite right. I don't believe it because it's Nicolas Cage. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I think of the movie Stolen, sure. which I'm disappointed that I, I, I chose to watch, where Nicolas, <laughs> Nicolas Cage plays this con man, criminal, bank robber, jewel heist leader <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ma mastermind. And he's, he's supposed to be, you know, this, this sexy, smart lead. And the villain in the movie is Josh Lucas. And he's he's not a particularly well-known actor, so I don't expect you to know him by the name. But he's an attractive man. And he's got he's got pretty good charisma. And and he's Nicolas Cage's former partner. Mm -hmm. And what they do in that movie is they cut off his leg, they grow his hair out down to his shoulders, and make him this ugly, homeless, dirty man. And they've taken this super attractive man... And they put him next to Nicolas Cage, and it just it makes it so much harder to believe that Nicolas Cage is what they are selling him as. Yeah. And it feels like that's all of Nicolas Cage's films. Is that he just does not it he does not look like what they're trying to make him be. Yeah. Yeah. And we and so therefore it's really hard to buy into it. Like I I had trouble buying into him as a chemical master in uh, The Rock. Because I was like, no, this man is too is insane and emotionally unstable to be a chemist. Um, but like, uh, I had trouble buying into him in The Rock. Uh, I, I've had trouble. I have trouble buying into him in everything. And actually, there's one movie where I think Nicolas Cage being in it is actually makes the movie better, and uh, he is the perfect fit for that for the for the role. Uh, I think you're slowly going to figure out what movie I'm talking about. There's a little bit of like legacy casting almost in the in the 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 film with how they cast him, and he's not the lead role, which I think is what makes it perfect. Can you guess what movie it is? Are you talking about Kick Ass? I'm talking about Kick Ass. Yeah, him being in Kick Ass actually makes that movie better because that role of of Big Daddy, where he is like this insane person. <laughs> who's raising his daughter to be a killing machine. And when he's like dying and he's like, 
singing things <laughs> like gotta do the that like i can't remember what he says but um, that whole sequence is like this is nicholas cage in this is where nicholas cage belongs he belongs in this role of this insane father figure with the little mustache and super creepy and weird and and uh emotionally uh uncomfortable and it made kick-ass a better movie and and i think you're right i think that as Nicolas Cage, that might be his best movie. Like, it's not his best movie overall. That he's been in? like the, Yeah. But the best movie, the only movie that Nicolas Cage made it better. I think that's right. Because, like, think about, like, the, the legacy of that. Like, what, like, Nicolas Cage, they didn't cast an actor to play Big Daddy. They casted Nicolas Cage to be Nicolas Cage as Big Daddy. You know, like if it wasn't Nicolas Cage, it would not have been as because uh, as soon as you know it's Nicolas Cage, you're already like, whoa, Nicolas Cage, weird. <laughs> and that's exactly what you when that character makes you feel anyway. Yeah, no, I I, I think that you're you're spot on with your I, and I wouldn't have thought of it. Like, that's the the part where I just it didn't. did you forget he was in the movie? I did. Yeah, I know. It's it's a perfect role for him. Yeah. And I, I just I remember watching Kick-Ass and loving that Nicolas Cage was in that role. As opposed to most of the time, I'm like, oh, Nicolas Cage movie. I was like, Nicolas Cage is playing that character? Perfect. It's like, um, it's like, uh, it was like when, when Bill and Kill Bill uh, was played by David Carradine. And you're like, that is perfect. I, because he was the kung fu master and everything. And like, now he's all old and this is perfect. Like, wow, that's exactly who should be playing that role. I want to think of it as David Carradine in that role. Uh, and the same thing with Kick-Ass. I want to think of it as Nicolas Cage, like actual Nicolas Cage, the human person. Right, right. Or Sigourney Weaver in Cabin in the Woods. Oh, yeah. Perfect. Great cameo. Uh, spoiler alert of that. That, that, was, that was perfect. Yeah. Yeah. And there, there couldn't have been uh, a better, better actress to be in that role because of her history in film and who she was. And mm-hmm. I, think, I think that's what you're pointing to with Kick-Ass perfectly. It's it's a movie that is self-aware of who Nicolas Cage is in the broader Hollywood world. Yeah, and they weren't asking him to act like anybody else. <laughs> just just do your crazy Nicolas Cage thing. Well, and and so Drive Angry again, it's a bad movie, don't watch it. But <laughs> it's it, it's a great example of like Nicolas Cage embracing like this inner Hollywood hobo character that he is I think slowly mastering. Yeah. Like he the character seems like they just threw Nicolas Cage into a garbage dump like before they shot the film and they just like they said, "Okay, we want you to come straight from the garbage dump to the sh- to the set and then I j- just, you know, act the shit out of this. Just just play this crazy crazy guy who's back out of hell and on a revenge streak." Like Yeah. Like in in and even then, you don't buy it in the same way that you buy him in Kick-Ass. Because in Kick-Ass, it seems like the role was written around him, whereas in every other film, he seems to be in the role and acting against the role as it was written. Which is something that apparently the Coen brothers really struggled with on Air- Raising Arizona. He would come to the set and he'd have all these ideas about the character and the script and stuff that he'd want to do. Yeah. And and they they just had to shut him down again and again. 
Yeah, one of the things I've heard about Nicolas Cage is that he does actually enjoy um, improvising. Like he enjoys just doing stuff and trying different things, which pisses everybody off because he just goes crazy uh, and he won't do it the same way necessarily. Uh, and not in a cute, fun way like Robin Williams or Eddie Murphy, but like in an annoying Nicolas Cage way <laughs> where it's like, oh, the last one was fine. Oh, you ruined it even more. Um, so that he does like improvising and that he does like a lot of method acting type stuff, right? Was he method acting in uh, Leaving Las Vegas when he was playing that that suicidal alcoholic character? I I just I'm just saying what I heard. Maybe maybe we should get some fact checking here. So fact check this before you believe everyone. But I think he he's a method actor. Like that's one of his things, isn't it? I I I would believe it, but it also seems insane based on the characters that he plays. Like Daniel Day Lewis is a method actor. He will okay. he will completely absorb a role and become the character, and to to the point where it can be very difficult to work with him on set because he is so in his character's mind. I can see that when I watch a Daniel Day Lewis film because Daniel Day Lewis goes away. The opposite is what happens when I'm watching Nicolas Cage. Like, what is he method acting? Is my question because I don't know. because. It's almost as if the camera just is a magnifying glass for the character of Nicolas Cage. Yeah, I, uh, Nicolas Cage is a mystery wrapped in an enigma. <laughs> Ethan Hawke really likes him. Well, they, they did act together in Lord of War, and Lord of War was good. Lord you want to hear an Ethan Hawke quote? Oh, God. About uh, Nicolas Cage? Yes. The only actor since Marlon Brando that's actually done anything new with the art of acting. No, no, he didn't. He didn't. No. That's, that's what he said. You, you're making that up. <laughs> Successfully taken us away from an obsession with naturalism into a kind of presentation style of acting that I imagine was popular with the old troubadours. <laughs> oh, my. I love Ethan Hawke, and that may have ruined Ethan Hawke for me. That he respects, uh, that he respects um, Nicolas Cage that much. I don't even like that's not that's not respect. That sounds like an obsession. I mean, yeah. then again, we are doing a podcast about Nicolas Cage, but there's something I think there's something different about what we're doing. Yeah. Um, so why, how, how did Nicolas Cage become uh, a huge Hollywood star? Like huge. I'm talking like he does move more. He almost does as many movies as Samuel L. Jackson. One of the things that I've heard is that he uh, took some of his early success and blew that money. Just absolutely blew all of that money. Mm, yeah, um, like he, he bought a castle and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And and then what happened was he needed to go pay taxes on the stuff that he that he had and and didn't have the money to do that. And then just started accepting every movie that was put in front of him. That's what I've heard. I I don't I don't know whether I believe that because what I've heard from him is that he just thinks uh, he he wants to do as much work as he can while he's young instead of waiting until he's old. He's not young. He hasn't like, been you know, young since The Rock. Like no, but like this idea that you know he doesn't want to have done his best work after fifty, which I guess he's now like over fifty. He just he I think he just went over fifty, but he wanted to do as much work as he could while he was still young enough to do it. Which is why he did like you know mo like movies, movie after movie after movie after movie. Well, okay, so there's something to the notion that in order to be successful, you have to fail a lot. I mean, I, I 
I think that's something you and I embrace uh, in in our approaches to artistic endeavors and that sort of stuff. Sure. Yeah. And and it might be that that's what Nicolas Cage is doing with his career, where he just says, "I'm going to do movies." <laughs> like in the same way that Samuel L. Jackson, I think that's a great example. Is like, yeah, I'll I'll do a film, whatever. I don't really care if if it's good. I'm just gonna play with it and have fun. And he has some really Samuel L. Jackson has some really good films out of that. Yeah, and I mean, he has and some, some really bad films too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think we're gonna generally forget the bad ones and remember, you know, his excellent characters and. Like Black Snake Moan is such a weird but fun movie where Samuel Jackson is a is is a great and probably the only actor who could pull that role off. Uh, Black Snake Moan? You're not talking about Snakes on a Plane? No, no. But Snakes on a Plane is one where I don't think any other actor could pull it off. But I don't think it's an excellent movie. So. Yeah, and it's like uh, you know, I, I, let's let's keep comparing Nicolas Cage to Samuel Jackson for a second here, because uh, the main difference, <laughs> the main difference. Is that Samuel L. Jackson, when he's in a movie, if it's a terrible movie, he's the best part of the movie. With Nicolas Cage, if he's in a terrible movie, he is not necessarily the best part of the movie. And in fact, probably, I can't think of one where he is the best part of the movie. Like to take something like uh, like Snakes on, or SWAT. Either you're movie, SWAT or you're not. The movie SWAT with Samuel L. Jackson was a terrible film. But Samuel Jackson was awesome in it because he was Samuel Jackson. Uh, a movie like The Season of the Witch, which was terrible. Nicolas Cage was terrible in it because he's Nicolas Cage. So, like, like uh, comparing Nicolas Cage to other actors, it's like, well, Samuel Jackson just takes all these roles. He at least is good in them, and Nicolas Cage just takes all these roles, and then he's just he's Nicolas Cage. Well, and and Samuel Jackson, like he. He takes something new to every role. I would say that the Mr. Glass in Unbreakable and the villain that he plays in Kingsman, which have mm-hmm. you seen Kingsman? No. Go watch it. It's okay. very good. But they're they're a similar sort of idea for a character, but he plays them completely differently and they're both fun characters to watch. I would say that the the character that he plays in Pulp Fiction is radically different from any character we get from him in uh, any other Tarantino film. Yeah, sure. And, I mean, there is certainly a style to Samuel L. Jackson, but he he's at least trying things new and interesting and doing doing something different with his roles. Well, and, and it's just also like he has been in some of the greatest films and been great in those great films. You can't say that about Nicolas Cage. No. Like, what's the greatest film Nicolas Cage has been in? Adaptation. Did he make it great? I mean, it's hard. It's Kaufman, right? Like, I, I really like the film adaptation. Mm-hmm. And so, I and I should have rewatched it for this podcast. But I think rewatching a bunch of terrible Nicolas Cage movies and then watching a film that I uh, I think is probably one of the better films of its year. I think that would have been very hard on me emotionally. <laughs> sure. I, I might have cried at the end. Sure. Okay. Um, okay. Fair enough. But but I think adaptation is probably as a as an artistic endeavor, Nicolas Cage's best film. Fair enough. But I I I mean, Moonstruck is terrible with Nicolas Cage in it, even though the film is okay. Mm-hmm. 
raising Arizona, he's he's not particularly good. Even something like Ghost Rider, which is meant to just be a stupid sort of superhero movie, he's you know he's not particularly worthwhile in that. And it it makes me think of the notion that he once wanted to play Superman. Yeah, he almost did, didn't he? Yeah. And like that, there's so much that is wrong with that idea for me. Mm -hmm. You know, what's funny is that uh, Nicolas Cage and uh, Samuel Jackson overlap in a film. Uh, Wait, wait, wait. The two actors that seem to just never say no and just take a whole bunch of like millions of roles are both. Of course, they're both in a movie together. Do you remember what it is? I'm, um, I, I remember seeing it in theaters. When I was like a, a like a teenager, or maybe a pre-teenager, Amos and Andy, or Amos and Andrew, Amos and Andy, Andrew, right? Amos and Andrew, yeah. Where Samuel Jackson moves into a neighborhood, buys a house, and then someone thinks he's a burglar because he's black, and then the cops come and surround the house. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's Amos and Andrew. Uh, so of course they they overlap in some film. They must. Uh, I'm trying to think of other actors that do the same kind of thing, where they're like in so many movies. And just compare them to Nicolas Cage. Because <laughs> I'm finding this to be a really fun exercise comparing Nicolas Cage to Samuel L. Jackson. I, I mean, that's that's the thing. Like, he's so prolific. And and there's a way in which that's just incredible. For this man to be in so many films and so many different kinds of films. Because City of Angels and Drive Angry and National Treasure and Raising Arizona. And they're Ghost all... Rider and The Weatherman are all very different movies, yeah. And World Trade Center, yeah, like they're they're completely different kinds of movies that you would probably go to different kinds of actors for. Yeah, and you know, I would say that part of what Ethan Hawke said is true, is that Nicolas Cage has done more to change the craft of acting than any other actor, <laughs> but I don't know if he's changed it for the better. Are are there? Are there actors who who kind of follow in his footsteps? John Travolta? What you mean? What do you mean by that? <laughs> I don't know that John Travolta is gone the way of being kooky and crazy in every movie he's in. I guess. No, I don't think so. I don't think there's anyone that that is is a, a same the same kind of level of Nicolas Cage in that in in what he does, which is just play Nicolas Cage. In so many different movies that should have different actors playing those roles. And instead you can put Nicolas Cage in there. And somehow it works. Not well. He's never amazing. Okay, not never. He's rarely amazing. But it works still. You know who I'm... You know I think actually might be a better comparison than Samuel Jackson? Who? Danny Glover. Danny Glover? He doesn't do that many movies. Danny Glover does a lot of movies. Danny Glover? No, he doesn't. Does he? Yeah. Yeah, he's just not the lead very often because he's not, he doesn't have uh, command that respect that Nicolas Cage does. Oh, you're right. Danny Glover's been in lots of movies. Yeah, and I've, I, would, I would say I've never seen Danny Glover in a role where he's not playing the character that I associate with Danny Glover. Which is what? Uh, an old guy lethal yeah i mean that's the thing like even when he's playing a younger man he's kind of playing that just you know guy who's too old for this just like an old family guy yeah wow he has so many acting credits yeah but so the question is 
why does Nicolas Cage keep getting leading roles? Yeah, because Danny Glover, I don't know if any of these are leading roles. Yeah, well, and that's the thing. He just he doesn't he doesn't have that gravitas. But why not? Because Nicolas Cage doesn't have that gravitas. Yeah, but you know, I would say again the main difference is that Danny Glover, when he does have a lead, like the Lethal Weapon movies, is great and makes those movies great. I mean, he's good. You know, I I mean, I don't think of Danny Glover when I think of you know good actors. No, but he's he's not the worst. <laughs> no. No, but I mean, like, I think of, like, George Clooney. George Clooney isn't a particularly good actor. And and I say that despite liking probably every film he's done, even Leatherheads. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, George Clooney fits a particular niche in in both Hollywood and in the films that he does. And he's done a couple of very good roles, Mm -hmm. uh, Michael Clayton, for example. But George Clooney is very attractive. And so he gets away with, with not being a great actor. Well, I, I would disagree here. I would say George Clooney is a fantastic actor at playing George Clooney because he's always just cool George Clooney. Uh, and then sometimes he's not, and he's kind of kooky George Clooney, like in, uh, in um, Obra- o- Burn After Old Brother Reading. Where Art Thou or Burn After Reading where he plays sort of little, or, or The Men Who Stare at Goats. And I, I've always enjoyed George Clooney in movies. When I see him in a movie, I'm never like, oh, this is the worst George Clooney role ever. You know, it's usually like, yeah, it's George Clooney, even when he was Batman. <laughs> I enjoyed him. I wasn't like, oh, yeah, George Clooney is Batman. It was like, that's oh, a weird casting choice, but you know, he's Clooney. He's good. He's good. He's, he's good. I like him. I like watching. He's charismatic, you know? It's like Matt Damon, too. You know, Matt Damon in a movie, he's charismatic. You like him. Nicholas Cage, you don't. So is is this just like us taking, you know, 45 minutes to talk about the power of raw charisma and Nicolas Cage's lack of it? Well, I think what we're talking about is the amazing feat that Nicolas Cage has pulled off in his career in not being very likable, not being very attractive, not being very charismatic, not being a very good actor, and somehow manages to pass all of that off as... Like Nicholas Cage, it's a good thing. It's Nick Cage. <laughs> Is that what we're talking about? The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world that Nick Cage was an actor. <laughs> I, I think, uh, I think you might be right because <laughs> he's he's insane. <laughs> he he just says things randomly and and moves randomly. And wow, this is such a weird sort of experience to go through because because we don't do this a lot for actors like we don't we don't sit there and and critically question their position in in hollywood like it it, it, it's not a an exercise that is commonly undertaken because you don't need to do it right like we know the kind of role in hollywood that someone like susan sarandon uh, anthony hopkins brad pitt you know Robert Downey Jr. We know the role that they fit into the into Hollywood, and I guess what makes Nicolas Cage partially so uh, enthralling and why the internet finds him so appealing is we don't know what he why he belongs there. Yeah, and yet again and again we find that he somehow does belong there, and he gets to do movies like National Treasure, which like Pirates of the Caribbean. 
success almost. Yeah. Like Matthew McConaughey is a good example of someone who for a long time we didn't think was an actor really. Like he, he did a lot of garbage movies playing basically the romantic lead, uh, the hunky romantic lead in a bunch of rom-coms and then just turned out some very good roles all within a period of two or three years. Mm -hmm. And everyone realized all of a sudden that, oh, wow, he wasn't a one-hit wonder with his very early career. He was just making money, and, and now he's come back to acting. Yeah. I don't think that's going to happen with Nicolas Cage. Well, you know, and this is one of those things where I think about Nicolas Cage and finding out that he was a Coppola made me go, wow, and almost helped make it make sense, you know? And I know that's incredibly dismissive of Nicolas Cage to say that the only reason he's in Hollywood is because he's a Coppola, and I don't think that's true. I'm pretty sure uh, uh, by looking at his career, he's worked harder than most other actors. So I'm not going to be like, yeah, he's only there because he's a Coppola. But because he's a Coppola is what got him his start in Fast Times at Ridgemont High, right? I'm pretty sure... Uh, wait, which one was it? Was it Fast Times at Richmond High? It was some movie where he got in reading. He was reading for his uncle, Francis Coppola. Uh, Rumblefish, was it? Maybe it was Rumblefish. Okay. Yeah, it was Rumblefish. So Rumblefish, which was Francis Ford Coppola directed it. And Nicolas Cage was reading the... He, he went in as a, just like as a, a gig to get some money reading the other lines in the movie for like the actors auditioning. They needed someone to do that. And so he did it for his uncle because it's his uncle and, you know, why not? Uh, and he tried being an actor and he failed. He, he got like a crap role in Fast Times at Richmond High and Best of Times or whatever and didn't go very well. And then he was like selling popcorn or something. And then he got in as the reading the line reader. And through that line reading, he ended up getting a role in that movie. And that was like sort of one of his breakout roles was or breakout movies that he was in was Rumblefish that sort of helped launch his launch him into the world of acting. So it it is, you know, it could be that how he got his start was by being a Coppola. But how he went from there and managing to skyrocket into Nicolas Cage fame is still beyond me. I, I like that it stumped us. Nicolas Cage stumped us? Yeah. What else was he going to do? Well. He, he is a stumper. It doesn't make any sense, Steve. It doesn't make any sense. Did you watch the movie Next? No. He, uh, it's a movie he... Um, it's based on a Philip K. Dick story, I believe, uh, about... Uh, and, and they've radically changed the story, as one does when you adapt Philip K. Dick. Yeah. But he, it, uh, he, he can see two minutes into the future, mm -hmm. which he largely just uses as uh, a superpower for gambling. And it isn't a very particularly interesting take on the power. Like, the, the writing in that movie is is bad. But the way the movie ends is at the very end of the movie, it flashes back, like, three days, and it turns out his superpower changed and allowed him to see three days into the future instead. Yeah. And he goes to the FBI character, and he says, okay, let's go get those terrorists. And the movie ends. Oh. right yeah. there and i like that that level of like what just happened i don't understand why didn't they end the movie as a movie i'm very confused that's how i feel right now 
having spent an hour talking about Nicolas Cage. Like I'm, I'm just in this, I, I was, I was expecting to come into this, you know, having a better understanding of what, what makes Nicolas Cage so appealing and, and work as a leading man. And I, I don't have anything. Yeah, me neither. I mean, like I think of other leading men characters that are always just playing themselves, you know, like I think of like Bruce Willis, he's always just Bruce Willis and George Clooney. He's always just George Clooney uh, and other, other leads in that realm. I like Bruce Willis. I like the character he is, you know, and I like George Clooney. I like the character he is. But with Nicolas Cage, I don't like the character he is. But I, I'm just, I, I just, uh, I, I'm not even, I guess the best I could say is that maybe I'm fascinated with the character he is. <laughs> but that's it. He doesn't make anything better. Uh, unlike Bruce Willis, who makes things better. He's just this thing, this guy who acts kind of crazy all the time. I guess it's it's that unique unique uniqueness of him that makes him work. And like he's been cra- he crafted his own voice so that he had a unique sounding voice. And I think he's crafted his own acting style so that he has a unique acting style that there is only one person that is Nicolas Cage. And no matter how many other actors come and go as like stars and like leading men who are charming and charismatic, other versions of other leading men, there's only one Nick Cage. There's only one James Dean. I don't know why I said that. I don't know, because James Franco kind of does the James Dean thing, doesn't he? (laughs) Man, I hate hate James Franco's stoner James Dean. (laughs) Part, Part of me is, has a little bit of worry. Like, I don't... I, I don't think Nicolas Cage is is big on getting on the internet himself, but part of me worries that, you know, one day he Googles himself and he gets to page 30 of the Google results and he sees this podcast episode about him Yeah. and he listens to it. And, and I feel like it would make him feel sad. I don't think so. I think what I just, what I've, what the conclusion I've come to is that he intentionally wants to be a unique person and he has succeeded in achieving that. Well, Nicolas Cage, we salute you in your outrageous, ridiculous goal of of being yourself. Yeah, and I'm not going to see the next movie you make, but I can't wait to see what it is. Mm-hmm.